Alright, and welcome back everybody to the Dreaming in F Minor podcast. I am your host, Mike Roop. Super excited to be back. We had uh, a week off for Thanksgiving last week. Uh, I post on Thursdays, and Thursday happened to be Thanksgiving, so we took the day off. Because we shouldn't be listening to podcasts, we should be spending time with our family and the ones we love on those days. Also, coming up towards the end of this month, December, um, we are going to be taking another little break, a couple weeks off, around the Christmas time through New Year's. So we'll have, uh, I, I think it's it's three, three episodes this month, I think, and then I will be off until the New Year, so we'll take two weeks off. Um, you know, being the time of year, you know, I want to be as present and jolly and with the family as I can. Um, life gets busy and, you know, this is the time of year to bring you back home a little bit, spend some time with the people you love. So, um, today we have an absolutely wonderful guest, ambient, neoclassical, experimental, and all around wonderful musician, composer, Eric McLean is with us today. He has an album coming out on the 7th of December. 2021 entitled post mortal which is uh i'm happy to report an amazing album he let me listen to it a little early and it's really really amazing if you're into the kind of um uh, neoclassical electronic thing um you're really really gonna love what he does i'll let him tell you all about that in the interview though we go into that pretty pretty in depth and also his previous releases inspirations behind it um thought process going into it that sort of thing i think you're really really gonna enjoy it. it's a really 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 super fun episode but before we get into that let me tell you quickly about simple equations media we are a full service audio and video production company located in las vegas nevada pre-production through post for all your film and video needs we also record music we do photography basically anything you'd need full-service media company. Make sure to head over to simpleequationsmedia.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Simple Equations, or Simple Equations Media. Also make sure to head over to the Dreaming NF Minor Facebook page. Give us a like there if you haven't yet. Also the Instagram, uh, both Facebook and Instagram is at Dreaming NF Minor. We're out there, just Google stuff. You'll find everything you need. But uh, yeah, without further ado, very excited to bring you Eric McLean. All right, welcome back, everybody, into the interview portion today. I'm super, super excited to bring on my next guest. Eric, how are you, sir? Hey, Mike, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. And um, just so I make sure to pronounce your last name correctly, is it uh, McLean? <laughs> it, you know, uh, it's McLean. McLean, but, okay. That's, that's why but, I <laughs> but, you know, I, I got asked that so much, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later. I, I did a two-year mission and, you uh-huh. know, I had a name tag, and people would always ask me, like, is it McLean or McLean? Yeah. And I, I went through a little bit of an identity crisis because I'd never I'd never really thought about it before uh, until people started asking me. Maybe I am a McLean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, um, you are 
probably most known for by the listeners of this show right now for uh, your work in the Broken Cradle. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that music project. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I, uh, you know, probably like a lot of people during the the pandemic and being locked down, um, had a little bit more of an opportunity to be home and um, working from home as well, and and had more opportunities to to be able to write and record. Um, and you know, really, the 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 name, the Broken Cradle, kind of goes back to uh, back to high school, a, a side project thing I did with a friend, hmm. and um, I just ha- I have always loved the name and and just kind of carried it forward. Yeah. Um, and you know, really, it, it's uh, it, my music is if you've listened to it, it's it's a little bit ambient, a little bit experimental, a little bit neoclassical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it, I, I always say it's kind of everything starts on the piano with me. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, so I've just been writing and recording like crazy over the past year and a half and uh, having a lot of fun with it. Very cool. Yeah, I was I was going to say you, you seem to have cranked out quite a bit of music in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah, and, I, had to, I had to slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, but that doesn't stop you from releasing um, your next album post-mortal yep yep post-mortal comes out december 7th um it's a yep full length um i think it's not nine or ten so i you know when you finish a work and you start trying to do promotion for it um because it's been done for you know three or four months now Mm. i kind of forget i I, you almost forget Like, like, what are the songs called, and um, yeah, all, all the other stuff, and and it's kind of nice to create a little bit of distance because almost by the end of it, yeah. you're you're just so sick of it. Um, yeah, but you have it, to turn the page at some point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I've been lucky enough to to uh, have a listen through. You shared a link with me, and um, I gotta say, man, like you know, that's where I started with your music. Um, sure. And and then I went backwards listening through everything and. Um, like you, you just keep, you just keep climbing up, man. Like everything you do just keeps getting better and better. And that's not to say, cause I mean, honestly, like I've, I listened to every single thing that you've released on Bandcamp at least. And, um, really, really amazingly beautiful stuff, man. And so that does, so that's not to say that like the other stuff wasn't good by any means, but I feel like you're, you're really, um, evolving into, into, uh, a refined sound. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, thanks for listening to everything. And, and it oh, is, yeah. you know, it is funny. Um, just as a musician or um, any type of art, as you do it more and more, you start to uh, develop your own voice, I guess. And, yeah. um, and I kind of feel that way with the first stuff I put out was, you know, a little bit all over the place. And then the, the more I've gotten into it, the more I've tried to dig into what you know like what is my sound and mm-hmm. um i'm still not sure I, I know what that is but uh and, and you always go through this kind of weird feeling of you you put out something or you're working on it you're like this is the best thing i've done and then you mm-hmm. put it out and you go through this phase of like um crippling doubt where you're just like oh man i don't know you know is, is this is this really good um right but it you know i think that's pretty normal just in general for when you Absolutely. put out something out there, um, it's also in, inescapable. It's inescapable. It's going to happen. It, it, it is. It, <laughs> yeah. it is. And yeah. you know, thankfully, it's uh, I kind of I, I, I it's pretty low stakes. You know, I'm not. Um, yeah. This isn't necessarily my 
it, it isn't my career. Um, it's something I do because I love it. And mm-hmm. um, the fact that people, <laughs> the fact that people like listen to it and spend money on it is um, always, it, it's so appreciated, but also a little strange to me because I just, um, I, I'm flattered and, and humbled yeah. in a lot of ways because it's, um, I just do it because I love it. And the fact that people spend money on it is, is kind of even better. It helps uh, yeah. fund really just <laughs> buying more musical gear to make more music. Yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing thing, man. It really is. But uh, you deserve every bit of it because, uh, you know, I I had, um, you know, and I definitely want to get into the, the, the details of, um, you know, uh, about your process, you know, not only sure. with post, post, post-mortal, but with your other albums as well. But um, there's something inherently... Uh, um, Inherently genuine, maybe is the way to say it. Um, there's something I can feel the pain in your music. You know what I yeah. mean. <laughs> and and I think that's so important. You know, in 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 music, and especially, you know, in music that inspires me the most. That's you know usually w- what I find about it is that I can hear the the turmoil. I can hear the you know, I can, I can feel the pain in it, you know, and as much as that is like maybe a a downer thing to say or whatever, but it's, it's, you know, I can feel the emotion. I can feel the, the, um, the ups and the downs, you know, I can feel the, the simultaneous, like ineffable, um, sadness and joy at the same time, you know? Yeah. And I think that I appreciate that that's, you know, you picked up on that because I, I try to, I think as a musician, um, I was actually I was laughing. I, I've I haven't listened to all of your episodes, but I did. I've listened to probably half of them. And the one, cool, thanks. Um, yeah. There. By the way, man, you're you're like the variety show of podcasts for artists right now, <laughs> and I and I I freaking love it because I like you know one week it's it's a musician, the next week yeah. it's a filmmaker. Yeah, um, and, that's and what then, I'm trying uh, to do. <laughs> well, I, I love it. And then yeah. and then the episode you did of just you was. Um, was really really nice to hear because i don't think uh thanks man you know it's it's uh life is (laughs) life life is difficult sometimes and and i think uh people put on a mask and try to pretend like it's not but but it is yeah um but one of your episodes with one of the filmmakers and i can't remember his name um it's probably tommy davis yeah, does the docu- a lot of documentary stuff. Yeah, uh, well, yeah that's that's been. I just I just actually released an episode today of the date of the recording of this day with Adrian Leone. But um, oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. the other filmmaker I had. Well, I've had a couple, I guess. So yeah, I, I think it was Tommy though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and and, yeah, and it was yeah. really cool to listen to him. And I was laughing because you guys were talking about um, video stores, and I, yeah. I swear, even to this day, man, my favorite my favorite job was like out of high school. I worked at a Hollywood video as like a shift manager, making you know seven bucks an hour or something and um and it was i love movies um and i I actually love just talking to people about movies when i worked there yeah and i I think about you know music for me is um it's it it almost begs to be you know visual it it, it's uh it's telling a story Mm -hmm. um and that's you know that's partly the reason i went from shorter kind of ep releases to Mm -hmm. the last two have been full full length albums because right i just i just i don't know there, there's something that i love about 
trying to tell the story, even though it's, you know, it's all instrumental, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's a story to be told and that deserves kind of a longer format. Absolutely. Um, yeah. For what I'm trying to write. Yeah. And it works perfect because I mean, yeah, you can kind of, um, pick up in the ebbs and flows over time. And, and I think that's super important in, in music, like, you know, th- that you make. And, um, yeah, you definitely have that, uh, um, I, 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 you know, that nails from Olafar Arnold's thing, you know, going on for sure. Yeah. They, and they're, you know, they're big influences for me even yeah. um, probably before that Philip Glass. I just, I love, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my music is not like Philip Glass, but I really like how he would take just simple things and, and make these like you know, almost sometimes obnoxiously long songs uh, yeah. out of repetition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like to do that to take something that's a little bit repetitious and see what, what can you do to the sound and, and make it stretch out over three, four, five, six minutes mm-hmm. um, and, and build it and, and grow it and morph it. And yeah. um, that's, you know, that's a lot of fun for me, but yeah, I, you know, post mortal, um, and and I said this I, I say this on Bandcamp you know in the description it really I I've got three kids and they're um, seven let's see seven five and two mm-hmm. and you know I just had this this kind of weird moment which you know as a parent sometimes you just you see your kids I think they're out playing in the backyard um, and I just you know I'm I'm 33 so not I'm not old but. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my kids thinking I'm getting older, mm-hmm. they're getting older, and, and I'm not going to be here for them always, whether that means they've you know gone to college or off to work or whatever, or mm-hmm. um, further, hopefully a lot further down the road, you know, yeah. when we die, mm-hmm. not going to be there anymore. And, um, and I know that sounds a little bit sad, but it, it wasn't really a sad moment. I just kind of had this, um, epiphany is not the right word, but... I just had this moment looking at my kids realizing, man, they're, they're growing up so fast and that means I'm getting older too. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where post-mortal came from because I just thought everybody, everybody wonders what happens after we die. And yeah, that, that's kind of, a, that is a universal thing. Right. And yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and the album isn't meant to be, um, overly religious because it, it touches on a lot of different kind of religious the, the titles at least a lot of different religious ideas about what happens after but mm-hmm. um that's that's where it was born out of just that that question and and that kind of push and pull of the heart and the head and what you feel and what you think and what you know yeah yeah i, I definitely want to touch on the the spirituality of uh you know um, facets of of the album sure. um but i i certainly know the exact feeling that you're talking about and it's it's not that it's um like a, a sad feeling. It's more of like a, it, it's a realization, yeah. you know, that, that, um, the one day we're not going to be there for them, you know, yeah. and that's heartbreaking. That's, um, uh, terrifying. It's, I don't really know the words for it. I had a, uh, I w- was giving my youngest daughter a bath one time. This has been quite a few years now. Um, she's real little and I was in there with my wife. I, the other kids were off doing something. It was just my youngest. And um, it's when it really, really sunk in because that was the last child that we were going to have. My my wife got her tubes tied or whatever. And, yeah. you know, so we're done. And yeah. so 
So a lot of emotions really kind of rose up really quickly with her, um, you know, with my youngest daughter, between both my wife and I, because we knew that we were never going to have a baby again. We were never going to have, like, another one coming along. Yeah. And I remember we were giving her a bath, and and I just had I just had a moment that, like, you know, my children are never going to be as young as they are right in this second. Yeah. You know? And that's every single day that goes on, they're going to get older and older and older and older. So it's like, how do I... How do I hold on to this moment? Yeah, you, you just you want to stop time uh, yeah. almost and and yeah. hold on to that and uh, yeah. and it's weird, man. I mean, you've got how many kids? Yeah, four kids. Is that four? Right? Four girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we've got three and and uh, the youngest is two, and she's starting to like say a lot more words and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. it's always so weird when they start they become yeah. like little humans and not like babies anymore. Yeah. Um, yep. And, you know, my seven-year-old, she's, you know, riding the bus to school and um, telling me about, she has this whole life at school that I, you know, I ask mm-hmm. her questions and she tells me a little bit, but uh, she's got, she, she's creating a life for herself, even at seven, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it happens fast. It, it, it does, man. And it's, uh, yeah, time is, is strange. I mean, it's, it's weird. It is weird. It's very kind of pliable at times. You know, like we have yeah. the longest days of our lives and um, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, five years have gone by and yeah. it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, well, you know, it's it's uh, one of my favorite songs is um, is Time by Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and I think it captures the, the, the sentiment mm-hmm. kind of beautifully that, you know, you're running and you're running to catch up to the sun but it sinks and it comes up behind you <laughs> yeah. the next day. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just, you can't, you can't outrun time. Um, yeah. I think is, is the point there. Yeah, man. We're, uh, we're all, uh, we're all, we're all unfortunately a slave to time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that can be, a, I mean, it can be, it's a very, very terrifying thing. And it's something that I have to think of in small bits because <laughs> otherwise, like things get really crazy. It's you know, true. Up, upstairs, just because it's like, you know, you start doubting a lot of things, the way you're living your life, what you should be doing, what you think you should have done, you know. But you know, um, kind of almost segueing into some of the spirituality aspects of the album. Sure. Um, living in the moment is a very, very important thing, and and is a very, very Buddhist thing. And I noticed you definitely touched on some Buddhist yeah. uh, philosophies and things. Yeah. In that with with I, I most on the nose with Bardo, you know. Yeah, it's it's uh so I I my I have a good friend who lives here in town and we we met um so I work at a hospital here in town and and we we met through some of the work we were doing um over at the cancer center and mm. found out he was a musician and likes to make kind of crazy electronic music and uh it, you know cool. it's not it, it it feels a little bit rare in Eastern North Carolina to find somebody that's like into that right. weird experimental stuff. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then even weirder to find out that he's Buddhist and uh, mm. grew up Catholic. And, um, and so we've had a lot of conversations just about religion and about, you know, what do you believe and what do I believe and mm-hmm. uh, finding out how much those intersect. And I think what I've learned in talking to him and uh, to a lot of other people is there's so many um 
you know, we like to gravitate towards the things that like separate us and make us different and, uh, kind of tribal stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but in reality and talking to him, it, it's so funny how much of our beliefs kind of line up and like the big picture stuff, like how, how should you treat people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how should you live your life day to day? And, um, yeah. And, and I was asking him about that, about Bardo, kind of this idea of like a, almost like a, an in-between mm-hmm. state and, um, you know, like rebirth and reincarnation and, and things like that. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I just kind of went with it on those, um, part one and part two of, of Bardo, just that idea of kind of, uh, almost like floating you just you're in between yeah it's an interesting concept for sure um one that i've definitely um been intrigued by in the, many times and you know um outside of the i guess religious uh you know specifics um it's just it's an interesting concept of you know like after you pass if you haven't learned essentially what you were supposed to learn in life you have a period you know, where you can essentially learn those things. And if you don't, then you're reincarnated back and you do it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's an incredibly, um, uh, like, um, graceful way to look at it too, because it's, uh, yeah. you know, on one end you might have, and I don't mean this, uh, disrespectfully towards any religion, but, you know, some religions believe if you haven't learned what you're supposed to, or you didn't do it the right way, you're, you're in this in-between state and you're, you're almost like you're punished for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I found that like idea. Purgatory. Yeah. Like purgatory or a, a limbo type of thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, I found that idea to be very, um, really beautiful. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, what, what are we doing here? Like, why are we here? And, what are we learning? And, and, um, you know, going back to our children, a lot of it comes back down to your family, right? Like we're, we're trying to yeah. teach our kids. I, I always, I, I say it jokingly, but I'm being serious. Like I'm trying to teach my kids to be, um, like respectable human beings and like mm-hmm. grow up to be good people and, yeah. and to do good in the world and to not be kind of a, a drag on society, like do good and lift other people up and help them. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, trying to instill those values. So talking about Bardo and that in-between state, I, I found that that was a very, uh, that was a really cool idea to me mm-hmm. and a very, um, a very beautiful and um, kind of merciful way to look at afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I really appreciate the fact that you are teaching your kids the, the good way. <laughs> yeah. Because this it, world is crazy and well, we need well, yeah, more people always... teaching their kids to, to be, just good upstanding people in the world it, well there's always questions about what what can we do to change things mm-hmm. and i i firmly believe that it it does start kind of at a family unit level because families mm-hmm. can then affect communities and you know on up the the chain right um it builds a foundation you know it, it, yeah yeah a lot exactly. of people are lacking foundation in the world you know and like uh you know i come from like a divorced home you know what i mean and everything right my, and and at a pretty young age and um i know a lot of people that have and you know it kind of messes with you on a certain level um i was able to navigate it a little bit because both of my parents separately were very very loving parents and right. um and so it still instilled a bit of family values um in me and and 
So thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> you know, yeah, and man. so my wife is the same way. <laughs> you know, my wife came from a um, a divorced home as well, but her parents, you know, had a lot of love as well and everything. So what yeah, we're trying right. to do is 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 just keep that together in a world where yeah. it's like so easy, you know, for families to break up and go off and do their own things when times get tough. It's like, you know, we've taken it upon ourselves to, you know, make it a point to stay together and give that foundation for our children. You know, one that right. we didn't necessarily fully have. You know, well, and it, it takes. I, I mean, it takes a lot of hard work, right? Um, yeah. You always hear the the kind of the you both a relationship is you, you hear it like it's fifty fifty, like you both have to you know meet each other halfway. But mm-hmm. then you hear the other thing. Well, really, it's you both have to give a hundred percent. I mean, it, you can't. Right. It doesn't work any other way, um, right. unless you want to be you know, kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, and we try to teach our kids that. Right. And I, I, you know, I had the opposite experience. Like my, my parents have been married for, um, 30, 34, 35 years now. Wow. That's um, awesome. And my wife's parents have been married for, I mean, like 40 years or something. And wow, that's um, amazing. Yeah. It, it is amazing. Right. And it's not to say that they didn't, uh, you know, like I, everybody argues and fights and has mm-hmm. disagreements and things like that. But um, I think back to my what my mom and my dad taught me kind of individually, yeah. uh, you know, how to be and how to help people and, and why we do those things. Um, yeah. So I, I think the idea here is and, and I ha- I've had this conversation with with my parents is like they tried to do the best that they could for us. And then we in turn try to do the best that we can for our kids and hope that it's better. And I hope my kids do better than I do because I'm not, I'm not perfect. And I hope they learn from us and make their families better. Same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the goal. That's the dream that our kids will take, you know, the best of what we were able to do and expand upon it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I know my oldest daughter listens to this, so uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, do that, li- listen, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, listen to your father. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, this whole philosophy in the way that you view the world and family being such an important thing to you seems to be something that is has been important to you, well, has been kind of integral into you, uh, uh, an integral part of your music pretty much from the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, it sure it's, seems uh, like it. Yeah, it, it's um, and how can it not be? I mean, it's right. it's uh, right. it, it's the way that I view the world and um, and the way that I create music and write music and what I think about when I write music is it, it comes from that. I mean, it's it's who I am, and um, mm-hmm. you know, you don't often this, and this is why I love your podcast. By the way, it's it's like you can you pretty much talk about everything mm-hmm. um I, you know i don't I'm, I'm on twitter i'm on instagram i'm sharing music i'm on Bandcamp, all that stuff yeah most people wouldn't know that i grew up and i still am uh you know you probably hear the term mormon thrown mm-hmm. around but church of jesus christ of latter-day saints yeah that's how i grew up and um you know it's a, it's a religion that has a very uh very strong focus on families right and mm-hmm. w- what does the family mean and can families be together forever, not just here on earth, but kind of after. And, um, and yeah, that, I mean, that's, that kind of, and, and it's, uh, we say that like we know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there's always there's always this push and pull between maybe what you know and and doubt and i try to pull that into my music right like it's it's uh that's kind of a i think it was william faulkner that said that you know the the best stories are the human heart and conflict with itself and i'm paraphrasing mm. pretty horribly mm. here but that that's true i mean and yeah. i hope my music when i write it um i i hope that's what it conveys because that's that's what i'm thinking about when i'm writing it and you know if other people pick up on that that's great um but if they don't you know at the end of the day the music's for me anyway and I, I, if other people right. enjoy it that's awesome yeah um and they can interpret it and listen to it in other ways and they can be believe whatever they want to believe and hopefully still enjoy it and understand where I'm coming from and what that message is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of where I, I come from when I, when I do write my music. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting, man. Yeah. Growing up in, in Southeast Idaho. Yeah, man. Good old Southern Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have, I've known uh, many people, from the LDS yeah. church in my life, for sure. I didn't. Well, when, grow you, up, when I saw that you were, you know, you grew up there, I yeah. thought, that, you know, there's a good chance he might be, but he might not also be. <laughs> it's I, possible you know, to just assume that I was Mormon <laughs> just yeah. from growing up there. Well, yeah. And it's uh, it's funny, man. I mean, I, I so I, I grew up. Um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, originally, right? And so okay. it's like, you know, my high school had 1,600 kids, and there were like four of us that were LDS. And yeah, not many out there. Yeah, and 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 so I didn't grow up like um, with a lot of kids or people that believed the same things as me. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with a pretty wide array of of uh, you know I had a lot of Catholic friends. I had a lot of uh, Jewish friends. You know, I got to go to bar mitzvahs mm-hmm. and wow. things like that, and it was just it was really nice. And then when I went to school uh, at BYU Idaho. It was, um, I, I loved my experience there and I, you know, I majored in English. I, I mm. loved it. Uh, but it was weird, man. Cause it was like, you know, I mean, it's literally not 99.9% LDS, yeah. like in this town yeah. of, you know, 20,000 people, you know, 15,000 students. Right. Um, it, it was a little bit, uh, and I, I, I hope this doesn't come across as negative, but it, it was just weird because I didn't grow up with that. I grew up. I grew mm-hmm. up being the kind of minority of right. my religion, at least, um, right. and then going out there, and it's like everybody is Celtics. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's um, that's the that's definitely the majority out there, and yeah. um, and so it was like opposite for me, not being you know, right. <laughs> not being Mormon was like yeah. you know, I I you know, um. I was like, you know, it was, <laughs> I don't know, it was, I, I was in my, me and, and my my friends, you know, and my family who were non-Mormons, we were kind of like on our own little island, you know, and we protected that. <laughs> yeah, know? well, and, and, and it's probably hard to grow up in a yeah. place, whether it's there or, you know, somewhere else for yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it can be a little weird and, and almost a little bit... Uh, uh, aggressive, right? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and yeah, I had that kind of opposite experience here, where it was like people are like, "Wait, you're what is what is LDS? Like, what is Mormon? What is LDS? What does that yeah. even mean?" Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's funny that too. The past year or two, the 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 church because grow. I mean, it was normal to be to refer to yourself as as Mormon, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that was a normal term, and now they're they're really saying, well. 
nobody knows like nobody knows who Mormon is. Most people, they're just like, what does that even mean? And so they've had this push to go really like, okay, it's it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. So people mm. know like, oh, you you actually believe in Jesus Christ? It's like, well, yeah, because most people when I grew up, they were just like, I have no idea. Like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. No, it's a very very uncommon thing in in a lot of parts of the country. Um, yeah. And. I mean, pretty much anything west of, um, or anything east of, like, Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, true. Yeah. It, with the exception of a couple couple little pockets here and there. I, I remember when I lived in Tennessee, when I lived in Nashville, uh, one of the towns, I think it was Laverne, it was like a smaller town that was just like, that's where most, you know, most uh, LDS people lived. Yeah. And... um which was interesting. I thought I didn't. I didn't really know that. Um, it's it's kind of weird where you find these pockets of uh, mm-hmm. of, of people like like here. Um, the the big university here is East Carolina University, and mm. uh, it's um, th- there's a program there. It's the marriage and family therapy program, like a PhD program, and um, and I'm not joking. Like ninety percent of the faculty and staff are, are LDS. Oh and, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's just it's like this this pocket of people that kind of ended up here and um interesting. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it, it is pretty interesting and not not maybe not surprising considering the focus on like family and marriage and and things like that and mm-hmm. uh I've heard it's a, a really great program. A lot of PhD students go through it and it's um I think it's recognized as being a really good program but um nice. yeah, you get these little little pockets. I grew up in Richmond and there's uh the dental school there at, at VCU. Um mcv in the medical college of virginia and mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of dental students you know coming out from utah or idaho and mm. doing their dental school out here and then they you know go back west interesting interesting yeah. yeah it's um yeah that is certainly one thing is like where growing up you know we kind of felt like uh you know we felt a little bit like outsiders you know yeah, yeah. Being, being non-LDS. And, um, but that's not to say that, like, you know, like, I, I didn't like Mormons or something. Like, like, like I've told you in the past, like, I, I've had, I've had countless Mormon yeah. friends. Like, all of, some of my best friends I've ever had, you know what I yeah. mean, are, are very, very devout to the, you know, to the church and everything. And so it's like, I don't have anything against it, but it's, 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 it, that is one thing for sure that, that has always been ever present in, uh, with within the the LDS community is like is is the family unit, you know. It, it is, and and it's yeah. uh, you know when you grow up in a place where there is a majority of something, you're always you know it's it, there's the other, you know mm-hmm. there's right and um, you know I, I every I think every religion has some of this too, and it's just. Uh, I hope what I'm teaching my kids is, um, you know, really, it doesn't matter uh, whether your friend is another Christian religion or non-religious or Jewish or Muslim. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, we include people. We we include our neighbors. We love them. Yeah. Right. We 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 treat people with respect. Um, yeah. It really doesn't matter who they are the way that you act is it needs to be kind of the same towards other people. And, uh, you know, ideally that's how it would be in practice, 
you know, we're, we're also human, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way, but that's the goal at least though. Yeah, it is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And being, being able to see the similarities in your fellow man is, is such an, uh, is such a great thing when you're actually able to, you know, um, because we're like you were saying earlier, uh, we're very, very drawn to the dis, the dissimilar things Yeah. between us. And when, when the reality of the, the reality is, is that, um, like a, like a podcaster and comedian I follow along, uh, follow a lot is his kind of catchphrase. He says all the time is like, we are more alike than we are different. Yeah. And that's completely true. And that goes across all cultures across the entire world, you know, is, is when it all comes down to it, you know, we all want the same things in life usually, or, or at least some, somewhat close to it's like a i think of it like a like a bell curve you know it's like you know mostly in the middle uh Mm -hmm. people fall in in some range of that for Mm -hmm. you know how how should we treat people and and Mm -hmm. um those types of things right and uh, and then you have kind of the the outliers um yeah yeah so i and you know i mean i i live in eastern north carolina and i spent some time down in charleston and um Mm -hmm you know, and growing up in Richmond. So, you know, I got to know a lot of, uh, a lot of devout Catholics, a lot of devout mm-hmm. Baptists and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, devout Jews and, and just there, there is, there, there are so many similarities yeah, between these religions and what people believe and what they want out of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's really it's really unfruitful to just focus on how are we different, yeah. Um, rather than you know, re- instead looking, you know, it's better to look towards where are we similar and where can we pull together to, yeah, to actually help people and make a difference and uh, yeah. enjoy things like music and movies, right? I mean, those things right. are don't really have a a language, so to speak. Yeah, they definitely transcend. Uh, they transcend all of the cultural boundaries that we decided yeah. to put up. You know, yeah. Yeah, at least it should. And yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but let's get into a little bit um, about your actual like creative process when making music. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, wh- you say you sh- you know you pretty much start. It's like piano first. Always a great. It's always a good place to start for sure. Um, it's laid out in front of you. You can come up with melodies easily. You know, yeah. and and kind of build off from there. Um, but. You know, so you have this idea. Is, is pretty much everything you do starts with the piano? I, I would say it, it's kind of two things. Uh, one, it either starts on the piano. And so uh, I'll give a little background. So, I, you yeah. know, the first instrument I learned to play was piano. I was probably seven when I started taking piano lessons. Nice. Um, you know, took them all, all, all the way up till I left left home. And um, and that just, you know, it's kind of the core of uh, of how I think about music, right? It's, uh, we chatted a little before the show about moving into Euro rack and, and modular mm-hmm. stuff. Um, man, it's so, it's so difficult for me to wrap my mind around some of that stuff because it is so far removed from having a keyboard or piano keys in front of you. Right. It's, yeah. it's taking music down to another level and breaking it into its parts of, of what is sound. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I, I played piano um, when I was in middle school. I started taking drum lessons. Um, my mom, I wanted to quit piano, and she was like, look, if you want to take drum lessons, 
you have to keep doing piano. If you quit piano, you're quitting drums. Wow. And I was, uh, at the time, uh, you know, like most 12-year-olds, just annoyed because uh, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to play drums in the jazz band at school right, right I wanted to, right. it was cool it wasn't cool to play the keyboard right that was right. Like, silly um <laughs> and so I learned drums and and actually almost every band I ever played in through high school and and after I I played drums for like I didn't play piano or synths mm. or anything like that um but at, after years of playing the piano and then I, I was in school and then I went to grad school and we were moving around so much. I, I just didn't have a piano for years, which was, um, part of why, you know, when we finally settled down here in North Carolina uh, and I got a, uh, I have a, a Roland FP 30. It's got like weighted keys on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I love it because it, it feels like a feels piano. Right. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, and as a piano player, it's hard you know, it's still weird for me to play like MIDI controllers and stuff just because it's, uh, just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. And it, it's hard to get into the sound when, when it doesn't, the tactile, you know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel like the piano. Yeah. You don't so, have, yeah. you don't have, you don't have the vibrations coming back into your hand and the actual feel of the weight of, right. The, you and know, and the, even, the, you know, even this keyboard, it, it only replicates it so far. Um, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we'll be able to, uh, get a you know like an upright piano here soon but yeah um if my wife's listening to this i want an upright piano yeah (laughs) get the guy an upright Uh, piano like you're you're whatever virtual felt pianos you're using they sound fantastic (laughs) thanks man it's it's um isn't it amazing yeah what 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 vsts can do now because i i use um so a lot of times, especially recently, I, I start with uh, the. It's actually the Nils from um, the okay. Nor piano VST that he he put out through. Nice contact, I think. Um, yeah. And it was one of those plugins, man. That's like, you know, once you start getting above that hundred dollar mark, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I really like? <laughs> right. Do I really need to spend the money on this? Right. Um, and the answer is yes. If you play piano <laughs> or you're using some kind of VST piano, I, I stand by this. I think it is the absolute best piano VST. Out it sounds there. amazing. It, it really, it, well, really sounds. He good. sampled it from you know his his, his piano. actual piano. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's got so many fine tuned controls where you can, you know, the pedals and the ha- the pedals, the hammers, um, the felt. Yeah, you can turn them up and down, bring them in and out. You can get. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the creaks of like the seat and like oh, yeah. in the room and moving on the seat. That's um, amazing. It, it is so it's all the things that make it human sounding. It, exactly. And it's, um, I feel sometimes I feel a little bad cause I'm like, people, and, and this is a weird thing, but I, I'm sure some people listen to this. They're like, wow, that, <laughs> that piano sounds so nice. Like it's in this spacious room. You can hear the wood creaking, you hear the yeah. pedals and stuff. And it's, it's the sampled, piano right i mean I'm, I'm doing this from my computer with this with this yeah. keyboard here which is amazing yeah um well, don't feel bad about it you're using it I, to its strengths yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what you know that's what i'm trying to do but it's uh it's still uh it's a little weird sometimes when you you get that sound yeah. and you're just like oh my gosh this sounds Whoa. like you're in this like cathedral <laughs> yeah know? yeah do you use much spitfire audio stuff yeah, all the time. I mean, yeah. they've got so many. Um, they have some really amazing stuff too. Well, so it's kind of two sides, right? Like they have the, or th- I would say three sides. You've got the the free stuff, like with Labs, mm-hmm. which is 
I mean, it's amazing, amazing how much stuff, stuff yeah. they put out there. Yeah. Um, and then you have like the kind of entry level, like the $30, you know, packs mm-hmm. with like the, their cinematic soft piano. Like I've used that before. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like the really expensive stuff. Like I, I bought the, yeah. um, the Oliver Arnold's uh, Stratus, w- which nice. is... Yeah, it's amazing, man. I mean, it's yeah. just, uh, and if you know the, if you haven't heard the backstory about that, it's like he made this when he, um, he like injured his hand hmm. in a car accident or something, um, had nerve damage and wasn't. I mean, oh, yeah, it's, wow, a guy, no. it's like a, you know, he's a pianist, right? And that's yeah. that's what he writes. Um, and so he he as he was going through like th- rehab and therapy, he like created this way to be able to use like one hand to create these piano th- more intricate piano melodies and things um mm. and that's what stratus is i mean you can literally like wow cool hit a few keys and all of a sudden you've got this this beautiful sound kind of rhythmic sounding mm-hmm. piano structure so yeah. um so i have that one that that's a great one the the chamber um yeah cha- chamber evolutions i think is what it's called or yeah. something, something like that that's also a, a, a great one if you want that kind of typical icelandic uh <laughs> right you know, that eerie kind of string and piano Cold thing yeah, yeah <laughs> man and i don't know what it is about like yeah. i i mean i know what it is it's i think it's kind of the weather and the environment but like yeah norway and iceland and all these artists coming out of there um, special stuff comes from there th- they just make this yeah. really beautiful music um even their cinema uh mm-hmm. and i can't think of anything off the top of my head but th- they're every time i see like some type of norwegian like crime thriller on netflix yeah i'm like yeah instantly i'll watch it because yeah. it always has this this mood to it um yeah which is great but that's usually where i start man i mean I, I start with that that piano and i just start playing i usually don't sit down i've, I've kind of learned to not sit down with a purpose in mind mm. um i find that that really uh just doesn't work for me yeah um i'm not one of those people that thinks like I get a melody in my head and I'm like, Oh man, I have to get this, get this down. Mm. Um, I need to be, you know, sitting at the piano and kind of messing around. But the other way I write is, and this is more, uh, moving into kind of the experimental stuff is just opening up, uh, like, um, I work a lot in the, the vital, vital synth VST. Um, Mm. it's like a wavetable synth. Nice. And I'll just go in there and start, making sounds man i mean cool. just just shaping stuff seeing what happens um yeah kind of kind of learning your way through synthesis and mm-hmm. um stuff like that and so that that's the other way I'll, I'll start is just finding a sound and then when i find a sound i like thinking okay how can i carry this out and, and make this into um the basis for a song hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah um it's it's I I love starting music that way. I really yeah. really do. It depends. Sometimes it's different like um like the entire title of this podcast and the music that accompanies it. F minor, man. What I, I actually had to yeah. sit down and play an F minor chord <laughs> the other day. I was like, yeah. I'm like man, F minor is is awesome. Yeah, it is. It's really really <laughs> awesome. And the the reason it is because I was having a dream about it. I dream a lot of music. And then it was one of those moments where, you know, um, I woke up and I was like, what is that? You know, like I had it in my head and and I just was like, okay, okay. I just found like the closest guitar I could and just like figured it out. And I was like, okay, this is an F minor, you know, and everything was circling around that F minor sound. 
And so um, while the music that is on for the the theme music for the podcast does not sound like the song in in my head, I kind of forgot it. Um, you know that stuff does happen to me. Um, yeah. But also, I do love just sitting down with nothing in mind and just starting to tinker. You know. Yeah. Well, well, there's uh, it, it there's almost too much stuff out there now. Um, yeah. That's readily available in your in your DAW and um, for free. I mean, yeah, the lab. You could spend years going through all the lab stuff and mm. playing with sounds in there. Um, that I, I, you know, I, I try to. I, I kind of stick to like three or four things and and just try to see what I can do with them and mm-hmm. and I think that's what's helped me get better at honestly just at writing music and getting mm. a more clear sound and. Um, you know, even even down to you know, I'm I'm learning this as I go about how, how do you mix music, like how, all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And when you, it, it becomes a lot easier when you kind of know your instruments and you know, absolutely wh- where they sit. You know, in the frequency ranges and. Mm-hmm. Um, That's one of the most be- important aspects, I think, when it comes to creating well, a good weird, sounding man. record for sure. Yeah, it's weird because it's a. Uh, if I found I. You know, for this album in particular, I, I would write and I'd write and I'd add and I'd add and I'd add and I'd add and then I'd stop and be like, God, this sounds like garbage. Like there's it's yeah. just like this this muddy wall of sound. Yeah. And um and I think I still fall into that trap sometimes. And I think that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's not always bad, but it's good to um, peel you have enough to where you can peel back the layers and find what's really working. Right. And I and I uh I think about it. I think it was Brian Eno that said, like, think about your, you know, like, pretty, and I'm paraphrasing again, think about your music as a listener. Mm. And that really, you know, I, I try to think about it when I'm writing. Yeah. I try to think about it like if I'm listening to this, not as somebody that wrote this, but I'm listening to this as a, as a listener, what does it sound like? Right. Um, and I know that might sound a little, I don't know if it sounds silly or weird, but it's just no, like, not you, at all. you almost have to take your, self i have to take myself out of being the the writer and and what i'm putting in there and and removing parts and saying wow that sounds a lot better when i take out three of the things i thought sounded great and, mm-hmm. um you yeah. know letting letting all of those frequencies sit in the right place so that you can get a clear sounding yeah song it's always what you take out it seems yeah yeah and, and there was some time. some artists i had heard something like that years ago there was saying like you know uh something about creating great artists about what you take out and i don't remember yeah. who that who said that where it came from or anything but i remember it was like oh, okay you know and then like i i heard that i was this was probably 10 years ago now like i took a different approach to playing music and stuff after that because i was like yeah. that makes sense because like i could remember the times when I would go way too far, which was basically all the time. And, you know, when I would take a couple things out and be like, my God, this is just really cool by itself. But my ego is saying, oh, no, you need to add more. This well, needs to be huge. Well, you're worried it's going to be boring. Like, that's yeah. that's what I think. I'm like, is right. this exciting enough? Like, are people going right. to just like, be like, oh, this is kind of, there's nothing there. And, and Can I, think I get away I, with I, three instruments? Is that really possible? Right. Like, <laughs> right. And, yeah. and uh, you know, there's a fine line between adding, you know, too much or having too little where it, where it is boring yeah. and yeah. uh yeah man it's i mean look I, i'm an english major and that's that's true like we would do writing workshops all the time and it was like 
nobody was ever telling you like, hey, I really think you need to be like more wordy here and like add a bunch of stuff. Right. It was yeah. always like, yeah, you should probably cut some of this out. Like this is yeah. way too much or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's just good. It's good editing practice, right? To just right. step yeah. back, think about it, remove some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is validity to pushing it as far as you can, you know, because that's when you flesh out all your ideas. And yeah. sure, it's like you threw 14 colors at this canvas and they're not really working together, but like you find the ones that are. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm thinking about on Postmortal. I think it's one of the songs, I think it's Point of Destruction. I mean, that's liter- that song's just literally like a wall of sound. Yeah. Stuff going on in the background and mm-hmm. uh, and it's purposefully so. I mean, it was meant to kind of convey this like, point of destruction right i mean it's supposed to be chaotic and supposed to feel kind of uh anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. (laughs) to an extent Mm -hmm. uh but sometimes you know you need to peel it away and and let the music breathe a little bit more because you know if you don't give it room um it can just start to like kind of you know like make your ears tired um Mm -hmm. or just sound unpleasant and I think yeah. that's part of the writing process for me over the past two years has been just learning. Like, m- for me, mixing, the, you know, like recording the piano and then mixing it to sit well with everything else is, uh, has always yeah. been really difficult because the piano is just like, I mean, it has that kind of main frequency range, kind of in that mid-range. But Yeah, it occupies it, a lot of space. It takes up all of it, right? I mean, yeah. you've got the high end, you've got the low end, and especially with these like felt pianos, you're getting all that stuff around you know, 2000 and mm-hmm. uh, and above uh, and the frequency and, uh, which you need with a felt piano to, to keep it intelligible. Exactly. Yeah, I- exactly. Cause you don't want it. And, and that's, you know, that's why I like the, the Nora piano. Cause you really can bring that stuff out. And, um, yeah. even though it's felt, it still has a little bit of that crisp and, you know, bright end to it mm-hmm. with, with the sounds. Yeah. Uh, whereas some of the other felt pianos, like I love the Spitfire soft, piano but mm-hmm. um that one to me gets a little bit more like it way easier to get muddy sound oh yeah for sure i've i've there's so many times and i've like god i just need to brighten this up you know because yeah. i've used that on yeah. i've used it so many times now and um yeah it can it can get very very muddy very very quick and before you know you're carving out all this stuff just to like fit in like this pad yeah. and it's just like well, you know you're like is this even a piano just use a different piano you know? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah yeah totally true yeah well cool man how about um um t- t- tell us a little bit about your past records yeah, so uh, let's you've see. Had, um, you've had, I guess this will be your second full length. You've had, what, one other EP yeah, or so, two other EPs? So two, I think two EPs. Uh, I had yeah. um, Sea of Glass, which was kind of my first, like, yeah, attempt. I don't even, I mean, I'm not ashamed of it, but, <laughs> you know, when I it listened to it. It was great. It, I was like, listening to it earlier. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's great. got some, some really good beats to it. And, mm-hmm. um, in fact, one of the, the one, uh, song for fear of losing you it's just this little like two minute piano song basically and that's mm. by far been like the the most like streamed song on spotify i mean nice. people yeah just really connect with it which is fun i mean that's that's all art you write something you think is the greatest thing ever and, and people are like meh it's, <laughs> it's right fine yeah man. um 
so that was my my first foray into writing and then um gilead i think was the second one um another ep mm-hmm. uh you know and that that was a little more um little, that that was a little more i would say neoclassical ish oh definitely uh, with with some you know i think there's one or two songs in there that were a little more um uh, I don't know if experimental is the right word, but a, a little bit, but, but I was listening to a lot. I think at the time I was listening to a lot of like Nils Fromm and Oliver Arnold's yeah. and, um, you def- I, I just, definitely picked up on that yeah. really, really heavily in that one, which I absolutely loved. There was a couple, couple moments where I was just like, that should just stop for a second. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> I was just yeah. like, all right, yeah, here th- we go. There's some you cool know? moments in there where I, yeah. I was writing and I, I think it's like, you have all this noise and then it breaks into just like, piano right or, or something yeah. and and you're it's almost like the ray of sunshine through the clouds or you're like yeah. man that sounds so good yeah. um so that that was the second ep um and and really that gilead was uh you know it's funny i got some questions they're like is this gilead like like from a handmaid's tale and i'm like no i didn't mean it like that i meant it more like in the biblical sense of gilead where you you have this kind of journey uh to Gilead, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everybody goes through their own journey through life and discovering things and the ups yeah. and downs and, and the album's structured that way. It's kind of a, right. you, you go up to an apex and it's this really intense song right in the middle and then it kind of falls off. Right. Um, so that, that was Gilead and I, I really, um, I really loved writing that. That was uh, just a lot of fun and, mm-hmm. you know, exploring a little bit more. Um, yeah. And then, you are here and I am yours is the first like full length I put out. Mm-hmm. And that one, as with most things was really inspired by my kids. Um, yeah. and just, uh, you know, just my love for my kids. And, and yeah. so the story behind it is really, I have three kids. Uh, my oldest and my youngest are both adopted. And then okay. the middle child, uh, is biological and you know, how we got each one of those kids is just its own, uh, novel, mm. <laughs> so, so to speak. I'm and, sure, yeah. And uh, very, very special stories to our family. And I tried to capture that in some way yeah. on that album. And uh, the, the title and the title song, You're Here and I Am Yours, was it really goes back to the moment that um, we adopted Elsie at the hospital. I mean, she's a newborn and we're at the hospital. Um, adoption papers are signed like 24 hours after she's born Mm. and um, you know we're in the other room me and my wife while uh, the birth mom was signing the papers and we just when the the girl texted us said hey papers are signed you know it's it's done I mean you still had court stuff after that but essentially it's finalized Mm -hmm. Um, that's just sums up the feeling that we had I mean it it was a very um, yeah very spiritual moment for us and, and a very tender moment um yeah it's amazing. and yeah and that's where the that phrase that i, I just kind of had in my head is like you know uh my daughter she was here um and I, a lot of times we think of these children as ours but i had the opposite thought like you're here and i'm i'm yours now mm. yeah um you have you have me and yeah. so that's that's where the title came from and that's where the idea came from for that album to, to really explore that stuff. And I, th- I think that album's a little bit more, um, it, it's a pretty, uh, 
gentle album for the most part, but there mm-hmm. are some songs that are a little bit more uh, <laughs> edgy, I guess, or a little bit darker. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, having kids and adopting children and all, all these other things, it's, uh, you know, it's never easy. I mean, they, every they, they all have their own stories and difficulties yeah. and ups Absolute, and downs. Absolutely, man. That's what makes them individual people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's beautiful, man. I love it. I love yeah. it. So that's that's where we and now we're at uh, post mortal and uh, happy to to be releasing that. And I'm already you know it's I'm already working on the next stuff and kind of <laughs> zooming nice. past it. And uh, you know I think the 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 next album is probably going to be uh, both both ends of the extreme spectrum of of piano and um, a little more you know solo piano quiet stuff uh and then on the other end um some some really experimental stuff but i i think this album kind of captures that too there's there's a little bit of everything in there Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah any specific themes you're trying to kind of work through or do you do you not have really that fleshed out yet yeah you know and most albums for me and these song ideas um they start with like this idea or something happens um, like with post-mortal watching my kids play in the backyard. Mm-hmm. This one, I, you know, I, I was talking to a friend and um, I had a great childhood. I mean, my parents were awesome. They, mm-hmm. They're just, uh, they're both very kind people uh, always serving other people. I mean, to, yeah. a, I mean, my dad was doing that stuff to, to kind of an annoying degree. Cause he'd always drag me along to like, <laughs> Yeah. Go, go help somebody. You know, as a teenager, I'm like, I don't want to go cut somebody's grass. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking about just like, for the most part, how much of a uh, happy childhood I had, and how joy. You know, it was it was full of joy, right? And mm-hmm. I was talking to my friend, and uh, he, you know, just didn't have a similar experience, and uh, you know, knowing people that have have had pretty poor childhood experiences and abuse and yeah. um, things that kids really shouldn't have to go through, but it, it exists. Right. And I just had this thought of like kind of a juxtaposition of like a house of um, a house of sorrow and a house of joy. Mm. And, um, and, you know, going along with that idea that we talked about with our kids is like, no matter what we grew up as, we always, hopefully we want as parents to give our kids a better Mm-hmm. experience whether you had a bad or a good experience you want your kids to be better than you yeah um and so i had this idea for like a kind of a two-sided you know maybe four songs on each side or five songs if you know something like that where it's it's a, a house of sorrow and a house of joy something like that I haven't really yeah. worked out the, the title but um yeah man that's that's the direction i'm going in uh wow it, it's a little, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it sounds. Now that I'm saying it out loud, sounds a little, <laughs> sounds a little intense. But you know, no, that's it's, great though. Like your yeah. music is is very very um, openly, uh, openly vulnerable, openly emotional, yeah. like openly just. It's an open book, you know, and um, that's what's great about it. And that's certainly what I've resonated with. You know, like you know, lis- listening through your catalog, like I like I was saying, like I've. There were, there were a few moments where I was just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, like, this is why music is amazing. 
You know, this is why I love to make music. You know, like this is why I need to start playing more music again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, and, I appreciate it, man. That's yeah. it's kind of you to say, and I think we all have that experience, right? Like with whoever we love to listen to, uh, yeah. music can inspire you. So, yeah, you know, when I'm, you know, I'm writing music and I think it's great, and then I turn on like, uh, I, I don't know if you listen to to like Tim Hecker or. Um, William Basinski, like more experimental stuff. Sounds super familiar, but I, I you've probably yeah. you've probably heard of yeah. them. Um, but you know, I listen to that stuff and I just think, gosh, this stuff is so <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And, and on the one hand, you're like, uh, it's a little bit def- defeating because you're like, I don't I don't know if I'll ever make music like that because right. it's so good. Yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, it's like it is so inspiring to listen to great music yeah and then in turn be inspired to try and write great music and Mm -hmm. nobody comes out without you know influences right i mean oh yeah i've even been listening i think one of your episodes you guys were talking about um uh lap steel guitars and pedals Mm. you know pedal steel with with blake conley yeah man i i don't know what happened it's like i discovered a new uh form of art and i've been listening to this like pedal steel guitar music yeah for for weeks now I it's just, cool like, right <laughs> man it's so inspired it's inspired yeah. me in writing my music because i'm just like this yeah. is that instrument just uh in the hands of a master can just sing yeah. and uh yeah it's um, been it's been cool yeah one of one of derek's good um derek pearson um yeah one of his good buddies, Winston Harrison, is uh, like a, a phenomenal pedal steel player. Well, I didn't realize how complicated it was till I watched a video. Yeah. And, and the joke I kept seeing was like, you could spend 10 years learning it just to make it sound like crap. Right. <laughs> basically. Yeah, but um, I, the way he uses it is so cool. And that was the first time that I'd ever seen anybody use use that instrument like that. But he just runs it through a bunch of pedals. Um, yeah. He's got a, he's this amazing uh, this amazing group of pedals, and he just creates this beautiful ambient music out of it. You know? it what, and what's that, his name? Winston Harrison. So his ambient project is called Fuzzmas. Okay. Um, and then he also has a kind of a more, uh, I don't know, straight ahead project. It's, it's, it's more like a indie pop. Maybe I, it's kind of hard to pin it on the nose and yeah. I've only listened to so much of that one, but it's called vein melter and, um, really, really good stuff. But Fuzzmuzz is his, his, uh, his, um, his ambient stuff. And actually the three of us worked on uh did one track on um the uh ephemeral release for silence in the unwinking minds yeah called title what was it title convergence or something like that what was um, that I, I uh derek's music is um <laughs> so good. I, yeah. Watching him with with the modular setup that he had, I, I basically shamelessly uh, have copied his setup because yeah. I love it so much. And yeah. um, he's got a great he, setup. He, he does, and and he kind of he helped me uh, work through some ideas just over, you know over Instagram. Which, by the way, is the great thing about social media, right? I mean, it gets a bad rap, but I yeah. mean that's what it's for, right? Is is connecting with people and at its best, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and at its best, it's it's awesome. At its worst, it's the absolute just 
cesspool. It's the of... pits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so he's. I, I love. I loved his release. Um, and just yeah. watching his. Video. I mean, he's a great videographer too. I mean, a lot of the stuff he films and. Oh yeah. And, uh, he has a great eye for you know. He's got a really really um, keen eye for sure when it comes yeah. to. You know, well, and, and and the pedal steel stuff is cool. I I um I don't know if you've listened to the album. It came out this year called Milan. It's Mm-mm. um, Greg. Uh, I, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. L e i s z, and mm. he's uh, he's a pretty well known pedal steel player. But it's mm. him, Suzanne Chiani, who is like a uh, I think she does a lot of stuff with like Buchla and cool. um some other things and nice. uh, and one other artist. Anyway. I'm telling you, man, it's like, it's my album of the year. It, it's just nice. like this um, ambient music with like this pedal steel drifting in and out and some other electronic sounds in there. And, and it kind of turned me on to the pedal steel yeah. guitar. There's, I didn't realize there's like this whole genre of ambient <laughs> pedal steel music out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, um, there's, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, Luke something from Nashville. He's kind of a bigger dude. He's on, he's on like third man mm-hmm. records and whatnot. Uh, Luke, yeah. ah, I'm trying to remember, but he does this very, very similar thing. And he's, um, I've met, I met him one time. Uh, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's, <laughs> he's kind of showbiz or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he, yeah. he, he thinks a lot of himself, but he was cool enough. And, um, yeah, I'll, if I remember the name. I'll 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 send him your way, but um, he's a, yeah he's a Nashville guy, which you're not too far from there. There's a lot of good stuff like that coming out of there. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I discovered a friend of mine uh, turned me on to Chuck Johnson. I don't know if you've listened to any of his stuff, but it just beautiful pedal steel guitar work, and it's funny. I was like looking at his website. He, he also does kind of mixing and mastering services, and um, he does like overdubbing with his pedal steel. If you send him like a song with some ideas, he'll throw pedal steel on there and nice. i was like i was like man i uh i really should get on that because yeah <laughs> i i love that instrument it yeah just, it's a beautiful sound yeah yeah even in a traditional sense using it you know in like classic country you know songs and stuff like that it's still just a beautiful beautiful sounding instrument or you know and like you know i guess there's a lot of like hawaiian music and stuff that you used it back in the yeah. day and that's a beautiful sounding instrument well it's it's i didn't realize how intricate it was till i watched the video and it's like yeah. He's got, you know, this guy is going through it and he's like, yeah, you've got this and this shifts this, whatever. And he's like, and then you have these levers on your, where your knees are. Yeah. And I was like, what in the world? I mean. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like if you took the organ to the next degree and added a few more pedals for your knees and like yeah. other random body parts, it's like, that's the pedal steel. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing instrument. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, what did you grow up listening to? Uh, yeah, man, I kind of kind of all over the place. I uh, probably early influences were like uh, cassette tapes of like Billy Joel and Elton okay. John. Um, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, my dad uh, <laughs> we get in the car and he, I remember his '96.5 5 classic rock and it mm. sounds uh, like a classic rock station. Yeah, it does, man, and <laughs> and that's why I can I I just remember it and it's uh, ingrained in my memory. And uh, he would say, I hated it. I was like, I don't want to listen to this. And he's like, well, when you can name the band and the song, you can change the radio station. Nice. And I said, well, <laughs> fine. And so, you know, inevitably, you know, when Foghat would come on or Boston mm-hmm. or uh, Van Halen, 
you know, I I could start, I could change the station, but at that point I actually loved it. And, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of classic rock with my dad. I mean, that was, um, that, that was awesome. So, uh, and then, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, like Pink Floyd, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a whole experience when you discover Pink Floyd and start going through the catalog. And, uh, you know, my dad, he's a, he's, uh, he grew up more in the late seventies, early eighties. And, and, um, he, he loves, uh, the wall. Like he thinks the wall is like the best Pink Floyd album. And I, respectfully yeah. disagree because it's obviously dark oh, side yeah. of the moon but <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know maybe i wish you were here animals yeah, you know yeah 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 <laughs> well and then you start getting into that stuff and you're like yeah. okay this is all just so it's all amazing right yeah that was um, my favorite era is probably wish you were here animals era animals yeah metal i, I really like metal, metal too yeah metal's yeah. amazing um yeah and, and in fact when i was working at hollywood video they had the um the live at pompeii Oh yeah! If you haven't seen it, man, it's oh pretty, I have. <laughs> it, it's, ama- it's amazing. I yeah, mean, it's just, it is. It, it was an experience to watch. Um, yeah. So yeah, I listened to a lot of that stuff, and then when I got more into like uh, high school, um, and I started playing in bands, I was listening to a lot more like Explosions in the Sky. Okay. Cool. Godspeed you, Black Emperor. This yeah. will destroy you. Like a lot of kind post-rock of post rock stuff and all that. Post rock stuff, and I think honestly, that's where my love for ambient music came from was actually like this yeah instrumental. I can hear that, I can hear that yeah. in your music for sure yeah man i mean it's like you know mogway and mono and yeah all these these great bands that are just uh that i will never not love that music <laughs> oh i know I remember uh, when I discovered it, it was a very very like no one introduced me to that type of music that that whole like post rock like post yeah. metal sound no one yeah. re- no one introduced me to it so I just found it one time like on my own just Pandora thank thank God for Pandora because yeah, I, no I, I found so much music through Pandora yeah and um, the early days of it and um, yeah I think Explosions in the Sky was definitely one of the early ones and it, yeah it just blew my mind at the time I was just like you know like. Like, like this, it made so much sense to me at the time. I, yeah. I still, it's one of the explosions in the sky. Um, you know, they're, especially their earlier albums. It's one of the, it, it's the music that I can like at night, lay in bed, throw my headphones on, just close my eyes and like, yeah, <laughs> you know, just be absorbed in the music. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's amazing stuff. So that, that was, you know, one end of the spectrum. And I, you know, I listened and not that it influences my music now, but, um, a lot of like pop punk stuff, you know, like saves the day and mm-hmm. <laughs> newfound glory and right. stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I, I'm a huge, um, Elliot Smith fan. I mean, I, I listened to Elliot Smith nice. probably, you know, all throughout high school and college. I don't, I don't listen to him as much now. Um, cause there's so much good music coming out so often it's mm-hmm. kind of it's almost hard to revisit some of the old stuff but yeah um yeah elliot smith is kind of forever and always uh you know a staple of my my album collection you know top 10 for me nice. artists of all times i just i just i love how he writes and yeah um huge fan of that and then you know after that i, I really started digging into actual like neoclassical mm-hmm. ambient experimental stuff like uh, i think you know talked about nils from and yeah 
Olafur, um, Alessandro Cortini, mm-hmm. um, a winged victory for the sullen, you know, stuff, yeah. stuff like that. And for then, sure. uh, and then there's the soundtrack stuff too. I love soundtracks, uh, or Same. score, I'm sorry, scores, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like Cliff Martinez, I think is, um, he's, he's kind of brilliant. I mean, he did yeah. the, like Solaris, the, the yeah. newer version, yeah. um, uh, and a bunch of other stuff, uh, that just so much good uh, scoring out there for a lot of movies. That's you know from from artists that you're like yeah. like the, the movie There Will Be Blood is a good example with Johnny oh Greenwood. Yeah, like that. I just look <laughs> that movie is like one of my all time favorites, and it's oh, mostly yeah. because of the first twenty minutes of that movie where mm-hmm. it's just this cold open. You have this weird like grating violin sound or, or electric guitar sound and yeah. he's like you know there's no talking he's like trying to find oil mm-hmm. um and i just that that watching that movie and hearing those sounds yeah i i don't know man that just clicked for me about it, how it's inspired, sound is used yeah it's inspiring on a like on a primitive level like yeah. you know i completely understand what you're saying like that is like if i had to choose you know like if i was like if i was like i'm gonna do this for the rest of my life it would be to make that type of music for that type of film <laughs> that's what 100 percent. and the sad <laughs> yeah. thing is is like how often does that type of movie not come for, around right right like yeah. that that is such a one-of-a-kind beast uh yeah and it just everything about that movie fits perfectly. I mean, uh, uh, Daniel Day Lewis is, <laughs> yeah, he was one of the greats, and and yeah. he, you know, he collaborated. Like uh, I think it was um, Phantom Thread was another one he did, mm. and it was same. Director. I never watched. I never watched that one. I yeah. I don't know why I was like because that was his well, final film, weird. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, it's about this guy like making clothing, and you're like, "What in the world is this?" But then I was like, "Oh, it's a, is it? What's his name? Paul? Is it Paul Thomas Anderson? Is that who directed it?" I Um, can't remember. I can't remember. So whoever he, you know, he directed it, and then they're like, "Yeah," and the music it's scored by Johnny, uh, Johnny Greenwood. Mm -hmm. That's his name, right? Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, Radiohead, I guess. Yeah, I believe so. Um, (laughs) Now you're making me second guess. (laughs) I know. I'm like, is that is that the right name? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But he scored it, and it's like this. It's all like Gershwin esque yeah. piano classical music, right? And I'm thinking, this dude. I mean, I already knew he was good and brilliant, but mm-hmm. the 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 wide range. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about myself, and I'm like, I, you know, the music I write is a, is a. I've kind of a. I feel like I have a narrow vision on some of the things that I can do and do well. Yeah. But then I listen to somebody like that and the movies he scored for, and it's uh, it's amazing. I mean. He's he's one of the best. I mean, truly, he's he's a great, yeah. um, he's a great composer yeah. for on many many levels. But yeah. yeah, it's it's always good to find somebody that loves There Will Be Blood because that movie is certainly oh, it's uh, not outs- for everybody. Outstanding is what it is. <laughs> it's like it's mind. There's times when you just have to sit back and be like, yeah, I got to take all this in. <laughs> it, it's it's, it's like, uh, yeah, it's over. It's overbearing. I mean, yeah. the movie is just oppressive. Uh, yeah, it really is. Oppressive and is it's, a good uh, word. And it's because of them. It's, you know, it's because of a few things, but in part it's because of the music. In part it's because of Daniel Day-Lewis and yeah. uh, Paul, uh, I forget his name. I can't remember. I know. Yeah, I know you're talking about. It's just it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Another <laughs> another group of modern, another duo of modern um, scoring film scoring is uh, is uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Uh, uh, obviously, yeah, I, of I, I Nine Inch Nails. I knew fame. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find them like you know, and I've did I've listened to Nine Inch Nails for a long, long, long time. You know. Yeah. Um, but they take all of my favorite aspects of what they did as a duo in, you know, in, in Nine Inch Nails and they just put it out in, in beautiful display in their scores. You know, they have it's this, amazing. Um, they it's amazing. It's so this, inspiring this to me. Ed, it is. And they have this, uh, this edge to their music. Uh, yeah. and all the movies they score for seem to have this kind of ominous. Yeah feel to it uh, yeah. which i think suits the music and mm-hmm. um I, I love it that's i mean that's one of the reasons I, I think alessandro cortini was played you know with them for a while and um his his you know his solo music's a lot like that too and that's why yeah. I, I i really love it but um yeah i just i recently rewatched um the uh girl with the dragon tattoo which i think they scored mm-hmm. um which so there's like the original mo- trilogy of movies, yeah, uh, which I liked a lot. You know, I liked more than the the kind of remake. Even though I thought the remake was good, but the score—I mean, the score makes it so. Um, I haven't seen all the originals. I'll have to. I'd have to admit, I feel shameful the, the, in saying so. But <laughs> no, 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 man. It's uh, you know they're hard. They're hard movies to watch. I mean, yeah. the subject matter is is pretty intense, and yeah. um, you know, I think the original title of the book was instead of the girl with the dragon tattoo it was it was actually like men who hate women it's like what oh, it was wow. called and and i thought that was a better title because i'm like yeah yeah that's actually kind of what the story's about right? right like right yeah um but yeah their scoring is uh it's incredible and it's uh it's almost to me it's it's like instantly recognizable now because mm-hmm. it just has this this I don't know how to describe it. It just has this edge to it that yeah. this grit uh, that they they put into their music and yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Do you listen to much um, of the the Ghosts uh, group of albums from Nine Inch Nails? No, see, you you're probably you're probably you're gonna have to to give me some education here for Nine Inch Nails. See, I I kind of missed out on that and I yeah really have followed. The, la- the latter stuff There's, is they kind of did their own things. Yeah, they're, um, you know, Trent is, if not my highest um, inspiration for music, and a, as a creative, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Not even specifically stylistic-wise or anything, but just as a creative and the approach that he takes to the things that he does. He's, he's I would say, top three um, greatest influences in my entire life, you know. And if not number one, and um, you know, there's different phases. There's different. There's different. Uh, <laughs> there's different eras of Nine Inch Nails, and like yeah. you know, he brings it back in in certain releases and stuff like that from the earlier years. The earlier years was very, very dark, conflicted, angry, uh, confused frustrated music you know um right but then they go off and they do things like you know that they started hinting at in kind of their mid-career these like more soft um introspective things and um 
I don't know what I like better, but you should definitely listen to all of the Ghosts albums. There, I think there's five now. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna have to do some <laughs> some yeah, homework now. Ghosts, yeah, because yeah, it's just I mean, you're you're. I know you're gonna love it. Like, well, it's it, it's, uh, it's weird because so. Um, how are you? How old are you? Like early thirties? Thirty two. Thirty two. Okay, so I'm thirty three. We're the same age, right? And yeah. like when I was in high school, um, I feel like I missed out on this whole genre of music with like Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Tool was the same way. It's my favorite and it band. Was, <laughs> yeah, and, and and Tool like they're they're a band that I discovered way too late in life and. Yeah. And it's like all of a sudden it clicked in my head, and I was like, "Yeah, oh my gosh! Like the, this is one of the greatest bands to ever exist." Yeah, I mean, yeah. just the the um, man, how intricate their music is, and mm-hmm. the lyrics, and and the I mean, everything about it is so good. But it was always yeah. like in high school, and I, I'm a little bit ashamed to say this, but it was like the kids that listened to Tool were kind of weird, and like, yeah, it's like ah, now I'm I'm gonna listen to my like pop punk stuff right you know like the yellow card or whatever yeah yeah uh, see i was that weird kid listening to tool like yellow card man (laughs) yeah good for you man you were you were uh you knew something that i didn't because i'm like now i listen i mean i still love you know i i will shamelessly listen to yellow card and dashboard (laughs) confessional like no shame don't worry no one's gonna listen to this (laughs) yeah right and uh and uh you know what's crazy about yellow card is i Growing up in Richmond, great music scene. Uh-huh. I saw Yellow Card at a venue with like, like five hundred people, and it was wow. like this little venue called Alley Cats. And I saw Yellow, and it was like the same year. I saw Yellow Card, and then I saw I saw My Chemical Romance. Mm. And I swear, man, they were not big. And then like the next year, I saw My Chemical Romance on like MTV. And I was wow. Like, I was like, "What in the world? I just saw this weird dude." That's, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of cool and, and a little bit weird uh, <laughs> to yeah. to see that. But um, but yeah, Tool. I, I discovered them way way too late in life, especially yeah. somebody that like I play the drums. Oh and man, you're watching. Uh, yeah. What's is it, Danny? Danny, Danny Carey. Carey. Yeah. Um, and you're watching this guy. It's and, a mind blowing experience to watch. He's him. a master. I mean, yeah. he, he's a. You know, I always think of maestros as being like piano or mm-hmm. guitar. You know, something classical. And I'm like, that dude is yeah. amazing. He's an absolute I, genius. Yeah. So I, I I discovered that stuff way way too late and yeah. uh, have been just uh, kind of soaking it up for the <laughs> for the past few years and. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's great. And they're, they're, I, uh, what was their most recent album that Tool put out? Um, uh, Fear Inoculum. Yeah. What did, yeah. What did you think of that? I liked it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I liked it better than when 10,000 Days first came out, yeah. which, um, which was their album previous to that. That was after my favorite album, which was Lateralis. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought it was great. Like, I think that they are... There, uh, there. When I was listening to it when it first came out, I remember uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Shane, Shane Haley. Shout out to you, Shane. Um, we he lives in like 
South Dakota now, and I'm sitting here in Vegas, and and uh, and we were simultaneously listening to it at the same time when it released because when they released that album, they released all their music at the same time on streaming platforms. So yeah, literally, yeah, we yeah. like press play basically at the same time, and we just like texted each other like back and forth, like listening to all these new songs you <laughs> yeah, know, that man. came out, and and it feels like a fully evolved version of what tool was you know like it feels like it feels like it's the it's the fully formed version well i think i think you're on to something because i'm not saying it's my favorite it's not my favorite sure but and that's what i saw is a lot of people are like "Eh, it just sounds like it sounds like tool and i thought well yeah but it's like tool at its like peak like it's really it's really really good even if it's maybe um safe in a lot of ways but i i still yeah. i still really it was a little it. safe you could say it was a little safe yeah but and, it was but the perfected more I listened to it, it was perfected yeah, it, exactly and the more i listened to it the more i just kind of appreciated the craft and yeah um the sound of it and um really yeah. dug into it and listened to it kind of on repeat for a few weeks and mm-hmm. um tried to follow their crazy time signatures and gave up after you know yeah, it's it's a it's a tough task. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, yeah. and honestly, the the stuff in high school that I was listening to that was kind of adjacent to that, uh, like prog rock sort of stuff, was like my my piano teacher was a huge Dream Theater fan. Oh yeah, um, amazing. And so I you know I listened to a lot of that, and that that kind of led me into more like. Uh, um, that's like a Mars. technical band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, more into, like, the Mars Volta. Oh, yeah, I was going to uh, bring them up. I yeah, I figured it, you'd probably heard them for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mars Volta, even even Coheed and Cambria. In, oh, yeah, in for sure. In way. Um, kind of that prog, I don't I don't like the term math rock. I think that's kind of whatever. It's, it's yeah. prog rock. It's They all have their own flavors. But, right. Um, yeah, stuff like that I, I listen to a lot of. And yeah. you just appreciate you know you appreciate the craft for some of these bands that like plugged away for years and were big in their own way but never like yeah. mega famous yeah. uh and it's uh it's a little bit depressing because they, they were like the mars volta i mean their music's oh, a little man. bit out there but they're so so good and they're insanely talented like it's it's such a mind-blowing experience sometimes i remember like trying to count out like one of their songs and like i was like <laughs> I was like trying to figure out if they were like going back and forth between like a 15, like, yeah. like a 15 and like a 13 and then like a nine. And then like, it would like circle. Uh, yeah. It was like, it, it's, and I'm like, I don't know if wild. this is like a giant time signature that I'm just not picking up on. Or I had to like break <laughs> it up into smaller things like 15 and 13. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's like, is this uh seven sets of two with something weird at the end? Or is this like a 13? Exactly. Yeah. Time signature? What yeah. is happening here? Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's amazing, and um, I think with the Mars Volta, I can't remember the time frame. I haven't listened to him for a while, but yeah, uh, I think Francis was it Francis the Mute and yeah, um, Deloused and the whatever it is Comatorium. Yeah, yep, yep. Those were two that I think I listened to a lot. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean my my yeah I I think going back to your earlier question, my musical influences are all over the place and. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I love hip hop too. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I grew up listening Same. to like the '90s, kind of like uh, 
Tribe Called Quest, Beastie oh, yeah. Boys, you know, that, that type of stuff. And then For sure. floated into um, like the Wu-Tang Clan and mm-hmm. uh, Ghostface. He's he's oh, like yeah. my he's my favorite nice. hip hop artist. I mean, I, I think he's um, very good. Just uh, he's very good. He, he, you know, he's very witty. You yeah. know, his writing is very quick. And yeah, um, and I just I love that kind of East Coast uh, New York style hip hop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, w- I was talking with a, uh, an old coworker of mine about like East Coast versus West Coast hip hop. <laughs> yeah, and that's like a, that's like a, a never-ending battle. But I I, yeah. I I like the musical production of West Coast hip hop probably better. But I like the lyrical ingenuity <laughs> usually a little bit better on the East Coast. But East Coast is better, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a little biased, I think. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, there's it, it, a, there's more right, attitude though. and there's more like you know there's more uh, there's more I don't know there's more Qu- grit or, and, and, yeah. and and like you know there's yeah and and yeah like usually the lyricists are much better on the East Coast for some reason yeah but I love the whole... per, the West Coast production it's basically Dr Dre you know? yeah exactly so. exactly and that spurred it's you know yeah so so much music right and yeah, um, yeah they they're uh, they're great and I. I actually had a when I was working down in Charleston, um, the chief. He was the chief diversity and inclusion officer, and uh, he was this cool guy. I mean, he's like, you know, C-suite at this big hospital, mm-hmm. and you'd go by his office, and you just you'd hear these speakers just like bumping the walls in this corner in the hospital and it's like yeah. he's listening to like Gangstar or you <laughs> oh know God. whatever else and yeah. I'm like you know I'm like <laughs> this this LDS white guy and I'm like scared yeah. to talk to him about hip hop cause I mean I'm like I love hip hop but you wouldn't look at me and think yeah that guy listens to hip hop right you, you, you know <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's one of my favorites man I just I, especially the old that kind of old school '90s influenced hip hop. Um, I, I just uh, I love that. De- you know, Deltron um, mm-hmm. was a good one. Uh, what else did I listen to? Uh, I Matt a lot Villain. Of, right. I liked a lot of old school Outcast as well. Outcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like the early years. Oh man. In the early well, years got, of like Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. Well, and he got you know when he got more commercial. Yeah. Uh, you know it was like not. I didn't like it as much, but you know, Same. when you pay attention to his lyrics, it's still like, um, like, Hey, uh, you know, I mean, that's probably the, oh, yeah. one of his biggest songs. And then you look at the lyrics and you're like, huh, Oh, <laughs> this yeah. is kind of a depressing song. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Wrapped up in this nice little, like kind of pop, you know, that's rap yeah, that's paper. <laughs> yeah. That's what's hilarious about it is people are singing it and loving it. It's got this great vibe yeah. to it. And then you're like, have you read, you know, like, have you, have you heard what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, but yeah, that's kind of my my musical influence. I, I'd say the only nice. thing I don't really listen to a lot of is, um, you know, I, I listen to country in the sense that I listen to like Johnny Cash, um, right? You know, James Taylor, uh, mm. you know, some some folk and bluegrass type stuff, but yeah. more modern like Brooks and Dunn, um, you know, that type of. I don't I don't really I never really caught on to that. Yeah, um, yeah. that's probably so. the only <laughs> genre of music I I. Yeah. Don't listen to. I was pretty anti-country for most of for most of my young life, and then uh, once I moved out to Nashville in my twenties, I kind of i I opened my mind to it a little bit more. Yeah, just being there, and not that like not 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 that 
country's the only music that's going on in Nashville. It has everything happening all the time for the yeah. most part. There's not a lot of metal and there's not a whole lot of electronic, but it's still there if you find it. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I everything has like a bit of a, you know, a lot of the bands there, the local bands, they have like a, a country type of flavor to them. In yeah. one way, it sneaks its way in in some sort of way. It's like, it's 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 like leftover freaking grease or something, man. You know, it just yeah, works well, its way in and doesn't go away. And um, so you learn to appreciate it a little bit more living there. I think. Well, and, and cu- country, you know, all of that music. Like I, I'm a huge um, group. You know, I listened to a lot of Iron and Wine mm-hmm. growing up, and I still listen to it. And, and that type of like folk music, yeah. Um, y- you know, it's it's really you can hear closely it. related to like old, like I would say older folk country kind yep. of bluegrassy type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to me, it just it feels, uh, especially growing up in the South, I think it, it just feels so rooted and like <laughs> like America, I guess. Yeah, uh, totally. And it's just. Um, I, I I just I love it. Uh, I I grew up, you know, my mom listened to a lot of James Taylor and yeah, um, stuff like that, and Johnny Cash, and uh, yeah. you know, all that all that stuffs stuffs great. Um, and even like I don't know if you've listened to uh, Patty Griffin at all. Mm, but I know the name. I don't, I don't really know. The yeah, name you know, just very um, country inspired, but more, I would say, more folk music than anything else mm-hmm. um yeah stuff like that i mean it, it's great even like i was thinking about um like jewel like the early jewel oh, yeah. stuff for sure i mean she was that that was uh, beautiful music but that was very i would say folk country mm-hmm. music and oh and you she can got hear that inspirations and, in her in, in, yeah. in her music definitely and then she got kind of weird and put out like <laughs> like pop music or something yeah I don't know. yeah um but yeah, that's that's uh, I listen to a little bit of everything. It just kind of depends. Um, nice. Yeah, lately it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of um, ambient experimental yeah. music, which you know it helps me write when I listen to the stuff that I'm writing. If I'm listening to similar music, yeah, definitely kinda, it helps inspire me and, and keep me focused on what I'm actually writing. Yeah, absolutely, man. But, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I guess we're um, kind of reeling into the end here. Um, yeah. yeah, man. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm so glad I got to meet you uh, somewhat, you know, virtually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, sorry. Uh, for those of you that are just listening, I, I try to get my video working, but um, all you can see is my, my uh, professional <laughs> LinkedIn photo. Yeah, I've been uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile photo here for, for a while. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the other Eric, the, uh, the corporate Eric. The corporate Eric, yeah. <laughs> two sides of the same eric <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well cool man yeah thanks so much thanks thanks again for for coming on i really uh, appreciate you uh wanting to do it and everything so um yeah thanks so much man yeah likewise appreciate it yeah so let everybody know where they can find you once again um december 7th post-mortal by the broken cradle comes out um where can everybody find all your stuff yeah, you can. Uh, it's going to be on Bandcamp. It's up for for pre order if you want to do that. Um, if you don't want to do that, it'll it'll come out in the seventh on every you know <laughs> every streaming service known to man: Spotify, yeah. Apple, 
uh, whatever you listen to. And you can always, you know, if you want to reach out, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Awesome, man. Yeah. We'll put all the, we'll put all the links down in the show notes and, uh, and, uh, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we can steer some attention your way. (laughs) Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right, cool. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it so much, man. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right, and thank you everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I definitely did. It's good. This is my first time talking with Eric, and um, I gotta say it went really, really great. Uh, he's a he's a very insightful and inspiring guy. Super happy to have met him, and uh, I hope you go and check out his previous releases as well as Post Mortal coming out on December seventh. Just as a reminder, we're gonna be taking a couple weeks off this coming month towards the end of the year for Christmas and New Year's and all that good stuff spending time with the family but um, other than that yeah just make sure to head over to simpleequationsmedia.com make sure to reach out to us on all the social medias also check out Dreaming and F Minor on Facebook and Instagram at Dreaming and F Minor and yeah that about seals it up for today guys I hope you enjoyed the episode um, thank you for t- Thank you to all of you who continue to support me in the show. Um, It doesn't go unnoticed, and I'll always keep telling you I love you, and thank you for it. All right, so that is it this week, guys. Thank you so, so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 